This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases, but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them. Because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. In late November in the year 2000, Three and a half years after a 27-year-old woman was snatched off the streets of Claremont and killed, several of her relatives were visiting the grave at Karakata Cemetery, and what they found there was deeply disturbing. The killer, it turns out, had returned to her grave and left underwear at the scene. Dad, the Claremont killings are incredibly complex and disturbingly recent. What does it take for a killer to come back to the grave of somebody they murdered and leave a memento from something they did. Well, Paul, I've um, I found this case on so many levels really disturbing. I was playing some news footage this morning and poor Christine, uh, she came back from her run and she overheard some of it and it was just, she basically went into the bathroom and shut the door. Yeah. So that's pretty heavy. Um, and that bit of information you've just given me, I I didn't know that. That's fucked. Yeah, we'll we'll get to who the yeah, killer yeah. is. But, I mean, this happened... So, just, just for context, I won't say yeah. who the killer is, but the underwear was returned to the grave of this young woman a month before he married his second wife. Well, that means that he kept the underwear. He, this... His career in getting around... His local neighbourhood, he, he operated mainly within a kilometre radius of his yeah. parents' home. Mm. He was basically, I, I would describe him as, and not to be sort of confused with the American version, but I would describe this guy as a, as a night stalker. Typically speaking, people who do these things operate within a kind of geographical area, and then it's up to the police to try and figure out where the, you know, where the kind of, where this zone is. Mm. In this case... These are called the Claremont Killings. Mm. Now, Claremont is a suburb over in Western Australia. Now, you've been there, haven't you? Mm. Yeah, I, 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 um, I've actually been to one of the pubs um, in Cottesloe because I swam to Rottnest Island, um, which took me about nine hours. Possibly the worst swim I've ever done, but we're not here to talk about the swim. But, Paul, you know, you mentioned 
the sort of the geographical situation of offenders. Mm. When this particular person was basically, I guess we can we can say, creating this this environment, sort of moulding his his own sexual persona. Yeah. One of the reasons that these types of people, you know, snowdroppers, peeping toms, um, you know, it, there's a whole array of descriptive sort of phrases one can use, but the key is that they operate at night time, which gives them, as discussed over some years, you and I have mentioned the darkness, it, it gives the offender yeah. the most magnificent and wonderful cloak because they, the darkness is their friend. But the other thing, Paul, is that if they're going to get, or there's a chance they're going to get caught, for example, a police car on patrol happens to spot them, even mm. if they're just patrolling and the offender who may be about to commit an offence or has committed an offence maybe or he's just out stalking because what these people do is that they they familiarize themselves with potential victims so it might be a particular house and on a certain night they know that the generally the female might for example take a shower come into her bedroom and they might not always close the curtains properly. So this can be a point. But they get to know the houses of their victims with great intimacy. They will know, you know, it's... Yeah, it's reconnaissance, basically. Reconnaissance. Right? And it's yeah. done, it can be done during the day, but that's not actually going to help them a lot if they do it at night time because one's vision becomes accustomed to the darkness they know where the shadows are on the properties the street light will cast its light but there will be for example behind where the light is there will be a dark area they'll know where the garbage bins are they'll know where the taps are they'll know if hoses are on the lawn they probably won't go out when it's raining even though that can be a plus because if it's a tin roof, the people inside the house won't hear external noises. However, the downside is you will probably leave massive footprints in all these things. It's, it's, there are books, movies being written about this. You and I are basically setting the scene for a person that basically got away. It took the police 23 years to well, solve this crime. Let's talk about Claremont. So I've just done a bit of a dive into a specific location um, where one of the victims was seen alive last, and that's the Claremont Hotel, mm. which used to be called the Continental. And I'm looking at these photos, Dad, and I've had a somewhat disturbing revelation, and that is that I've been in that pub. Wow. So I was up there... In Perth, doing Perth Fringe, I did it two years in a row with a group, uh, with a comedy group, and mm. yeah, we went, we went to that hotel. We had a drink or two there one night. I remember. I've seen, yeah, which is really, really odd, and that's kind of by the by. But it's, it's, it's really weird to have been in, in a building where this is sort of a focal point. But mm. basically, Claremont, which is this, it's quite a wealthy suburb, mm, affluent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yes, like you said, and 
This investigation went for a long, long time, but as far as locations go, um, a lot of the disappearances happened uh, at Bayview Terrace, which is sort of like a kind of... How would you describe this area? Because basically, it's it, the nightlife here was a big deal. So um, there were clubs here. There was a club called Club Bayview, and that would kind of deposit people out onto Bayview Terrace mm. in the early hours of the morning. And this is yep. back on... So let's just jet back to the very first disappearance, shall we? So mm. it's the 27th of January in 1996. And the first victim is Sarah Spears. She was 18 years old. Now, can you walk us through what happened to this young woman? Sarah Spears, she was victim number one. And whenever we say victim one, two, we number them. That's based on what we know. So later on, you could have somebody else rock up and they would kind of chronologically be slotted into place. But also, we we never really know. What about the 10% of missing people that are never found? Yeah, I mean, there's okay. been lots and lots of literature about speculating whether there were more victims correct, here. Correct, correct. Yes. But she was brought up in rural Western Australia and her dad was a shearer. Now, yeah. he must have done pretty well because she went to boarding school in Perth. And once she'd finished school, she uh, got a job as a secretary at an engineering firm. Now, whenever you read about what people thought about victims, you know, obviously people remember the really, really nice thing. So I guess it's fairly generic in terms of, you know, she was a really lovely person and dearly loved by her mum and dad. But, you know, that, let's take that as a given. But she goes to this, this you know, night out place, the Ocean Beach Hotel, and it's, it's the evening of Australia Day. You know, shortly after mid, midnight, she goes to this Club Bayview at Claremont and... She's, you know, having a really on uh, as far as everyone can ascertain, she had a really, really good night. She leaves this establishment, she goes to a phone box, mm-hmm. okay, and she makes a call for a cab. Yes, bearing in mind, Paul, that at that time there were more than 3,000 cab drivers in Perth, right? So, you, you can imagine, you know, mm. if I guess it's a bit premature to discuss you know where, where the cab drivers you know fit into this story well i've got the actual tape transcript dad oh golly of, Paul. of her call for a taxi and it's been signed notarized and uh okay let's see yeah so she requests a pickup from sterling street in cottesloe uh, the operator says what number or are you at the phone booth and she says i'm at the phone booth the operator says what street is it challenge and sp- and and she says, it's on Sterling Street. It's on the corner of Sterling Street and Sterling Highway, around about the middle up. And they say Sterling Street and Sterling Highway. That's right. What suburb? Cottesloe, uh, Claremont. So the corner of Sterling Highway and Sterling Road in Claremont. That's right. Where are you going to? Mossman Park. And the name? Spears. That's right. Okay, thanks for calling. That's the call. God. So we've established she's trying to get to Mossman Park, which is yep. quite a nearby suburb if you look at a map. Hmm. And then some witnesses saw her... Waiting near the corner of Sterling Road and Sterling Highway, which is where she said she'd be. Yep. And then some some other witnesses said that they mentioned uh, said that they may have seen an unidentified car pulling up to where she was. Hmm. And then the taxi gets there at exactly two o nine a.m. and she's not there. Hmm. Incredible. And, yeah, that's and that's that's the beginning of this whole thing. Correct. Now she'd actually been dropped off by her sister. Yep. And her sister, who was a, a doting sister, 
was not only her sister, but she was also, as she says, her best friend. So they were close. And her lovely sister dropped her off at that particular hotel that night and everything was sweet. And that's the last time the sister ever saw her, which is in itself just pretty messed up. And they that's the last time. So in that very, very... It's just so weird to think that she was waiting for a very, very tiny amount of time. The cab's coming and then something happens. And I've always thought that because this girl was not naive, her, she had street smarts, she was sensible, she was prudent. I have a feeling, and without sort of getting into the whole story as it unfolds about the ultimate, you know, guy that was arrested and what he did for a living, but it's going to be very interesting as to what he did for a living, uh, as to possibly why she did accept a lift from this person. Okay. So I think, you know, you can draw... It's 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 a little bit awkward, not awkward, but it's a bit weird talking about all of this in that a lot of people in Perth, because I've had a lot of feedback and, I've, and we're going to go down some rabbit holes mm. during this story. Mm. But, you know, for, for people that that don't know the story and that are not locals of Perth because it was such big news. Um, you know, we need to sort of talk as though people have not heard the story. I think that's that's prudent and sensible. Okay. Now, this is one of those disappearances that, I mean, it really, it flagged the attention of the authorities. Mm. According to accounts, her family suspected that it wasn't, she hadn't just gone missing, that something very, very bad had happened. But uh, they, I believe, still haven't found her. No, no. Now, now that this was a 27th of January, 96. The first victim who was actually found uh, went missing on Sunday, the 9th of June, 1996. And this is Jane Rimmer. And she went missing from the same area in Claremont, which, and she had the MO and the timing and everything was so similar that I think that's how they linked them. Mm. But can you talk us through Jane Rimmer? Jane Rimmer was 23 years old. Mm. She was a um, childcare worker. Right. And, um, you know, whilst I don't like talking about how people look, you know, I am looking at a photograph of her when she was probably eight. And, you know, she had long blonde hair and, you know, she's. She's got a nice blue jersey on and, you know, she's someone's daughter. And she'd moved out of home, but she used to go to her mum and dad's house every Saturday morning to do her washing. So she'd, you know, and it's cool. It's nice, you know, your, your mum and dad are at home. You come round, you're, you're, you're flatting, but, you know, it's a, it's a nice sort of, you know, you get to use mum and dad's laundry, which is cool, but you also spend that time whilst things are washing and, probably drying, just chatting to your mum and dad. And um, she regularly had Sunday lunch with her mum and dad. And, you know, the father, this was, he's he just doted on his daughter and he just thought she was the most beautiful thing. And she wasn't gone. I mean, it was very, very out of character. And it makes me think that, even after the first and now the second, the, the families became incredibly 
stressed and the police obviously took it in very, very seriously because after three days, which in my opinion is not that long, the police really, really kicked into gear. Mm. So they obviously had, even though they had no evidence really, they had a lot of sort of, you know, they had a hypothesis that this was very out of character. They they knew about the first case and then they thought, shit, this is this is heavy. And um and they thought, golly, this could be what they hate to think it could be, which is possibly a serial killer. And um Well, we mentioned earlier the Continental Hotel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not called the Continental anymore. It's in Claremont, and this is the hotel that I I've been to, so I I think I have a recollection of the structure itself. But um, Jane Rimmer. But Jane Rimmer, the twenty-three-year-old uh, who we've been talking about, she went missing, and she was last seen out the front of mm. the venue. Yeah, there's a lot of f- footage of her. Yes, and you can see it. You can see on the CCTV footage, she's chatting with a man. We can't see much of him. I believe he's got his back to the yes. camera at yeah, this point, with short dark hair. But she's yes. she's in hysterics. She's laughing. She's, you know. She's obviously really, you know. Do you know what time it was at that point? Look, it would have been after midnight. Um, yeah, but like I said, Paul. Um, but she was. She had her, and this is one of those terrible kind of um, fork in the road moments that we've talked about before. Her friends offered to share a taxi, mm. and she declined. Yep. And you would be sitting there, kind of really having some what-if kind of moments in your head. But so there's a place called Wellard, which is um, just south of the kind of CBD of Perth, I believe. Mm. And on the 3rd of August, 1996, so not long after, mm. really, her body was found in the bush. But not not buried. No, they just, the person or persons had just thrown some leaves and, you know, there was no real... Um, you know, effort to conceal the body. I mean, it was concealed, sort of, but certainly not buried. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And um, you've talked to me before, and you've talked to us on this show about, you know, the fact that you could be out minding your business and you come across these things and the fact that people who find these bodies are never, you know, often they're not looking for bodies. Often mm. they are out doing stuff. So um, at this point on August the 3rd, it was a Saturday and according to sources, a family was out picking flowers Correct. and they found her body in the bush mm. uh, near Woolcott Road mm. um, in the bush. Picking some rare flower and yeah. look, the chances yeah. are, look... You know this person that, you know maybe the 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 murderer, mm. um, you know maybe he didn't know that area really well. It just seems kind of weird that this the offender didn't, you know, go to a lot more trouble in hiding the body. Yeah, it was. But you don't know. I mean, he could have been disturbed. Uh, golly, there's play on words there. He could have been disturbed by perhaps you know. Someone in in the in the vicinity, you know, he, he may have had a, heard a noise that spooked him. I don't know. That was victim number two. Because at this point, I guess if you're in the police, you you've got a kind of odd thing going on because you are looking for a link. She's 23 years old. Now it's 55 days after she went missing at the Continental Hotel. She's the second victim, and yeah, this family were out looking for flowers. I've read accounts from the family members. I can't even... Because they had kids with them. And the decomposition would have been... Exactly. Mm. And she was hidden under some branches and leaves. And then the detectives are doing a bit of a search the next day. They found a piece of evidence which is going to become so pertinent to this case. So on Woolcott Road, I think about a kilometre from where the body is found... On, like, on or near the road, they find a pocket knife, and it's a telecom employee's pocket knife. Unbelievable. God. That's a pretty big clue. Now... Massive. In hindsight, bearing in mind, I was thinking about that, Paul, that, you know, we have to, we have to look at this from eyes above. We're floating above a story, yep. looking down on it, but we have hindsight. We have information. Mm. And then it's all very easy for all of us to just get together and go, well, you know, why... You know, why wasn't this? It reminds me, you know, I did go to a serious sexual assault once when I was a young policeman. And yeah. it was at the San Miguel Hotel in um, in North Sydney. And the, the, the and I'm going to use the word, the rapist dropped his penknife and it had his name on it. He left it at the scene and he was arrested for what was called a Category 1 sexual assault which is the most serious, within 30 minutes of the event. Jesus. So people actually just, you know, let's think about all the times, all the listeners over the years. You've lost something. You've lost a credit card. You've lost a phone. You've, you've left a, per, a piece of clothing. You've left, you've left an umbrella in a doctor's surgery. You've left a sloppy joe. 
I was at the physio on Thursday. It's raining. I'm about to leave the surgery. And the physio comes up and hands me my sloppy joe. Okay? Sorry, sloppy joe? Paul, don't you know what a sloppy joe is? Yeah, it's a sandwich. Are you joking? A sloppy joe, my dear friend, <laughs> is a piece of apparel. It's like a really a cool... sloppy joe! Oh, for God's sake. Sloppy joe. Oh, Paul. I'm just going to Google sloppy joe. Oh, Let's see what comes Jesus, up. you and your fucking Google. Okay, sloppy joe. A sloppy joe is a sandwich consisting of ground beef, onions, tomato sauce, Worcestershire sauce, or other seasonings, so hamburger bun. Okay. Sloppy Joe. What is a Sloppy Joe in Australia? Oh! Come on. Yes. Come on. A sloppy Joe is an Australian term for a pullover, normally loose and often fleecy lined. Exactly. And I love my Sloppy Joe. Ugh. <laughs> Did the, the, Paul, that, I'm, I can't believe... Like, I'm, I'm just... This fucking country. As I if, swear to God. Every as single... If, as if I'd be at the physio and I'm leaving and he comes back and gives me a sandwich. Yeah. Well, would you say no? These things look amazing, by the way. Hmm. But anyway, oh looks, most of the listeners um, will know, hopefully. what. A... Anyway, my point being, of course, people inadvertently leave things. But imagine if... So if you have a, a propensity to yep. leave things, as we all do, why wouldn't a criminal occasionally leave something at the scene? I mean, I mean they do leave things like semen and yeah, that, hairs. No, trace, trace evidence is one thing. Mm. But to leave a pocket... First of all... Do we know how she died? What was the... Um... Uh, well, that's an interesting thing, Paul, and I'll just okay. say this. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but let's just say that th- 23 years later... Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just, without giving too much away, at the trial, the judge decided that there would be no jury. And one of the reasons, there were four reasons, and I, I'm, we'll touch on that, you know, later... The reasoning is so fascinating. I think we should talk about it in part two. Okay. And that is that one of the reasons was that the evidence was so graphic that he felt that the jury could just could not handle it. And I've really searched long and hard to find specific details of the injuries inflicted, and it's very difficult to find out there's some vague things about and 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 i i would also like to preface with what i'm about to say by paying great respect um to any of the relatives or friends of the victims that may be listening to this podcast yeah um because it's 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 harrowing but they did discover during post-mortem that there were certain wounds to the neck uh, and I know in the past we've gone into great detail about, you know, what happened to various victims, but, you know, I as yet have been unable to uncover specifics. Let me read this piece from WA Today. This is obviously I'm going to have to kind of weave my way around because this is the trial of the person who ended up being accused of the crime. And I know that a lot of you will probably know who it is, but we, for the sake of narrative, we're trying to really kind of tell a story here. So... After Miss Rimmer's death, WA police launched Macro Task Force to investigate her appearance and that of Sarah Spears. Two husband and wife couples who lived in Wellard told detectives they heard a woman screaming and shouting on the night Miss Rimmer was murdered. 
Kenneth Mitchell said he heard a woman screaming, leave me alone, let me out of here, before noticing a car drive away in the direction of the site where Miss Rimmer's body was found. Another couple closer to her final resting place recalled blood-curdling cries that, and I quote, stopped mid-scream. During the Supreme Court trial, prosecutors claim residents had heard the moment he cut his victim's throat. Defensive wounds on Miss Rimmer's forearm showed she had tried to fight back. Fibers recovered from Miss Rimmer's hair suggested she had been bundled into the rear cargo area of a 1996 Holden Commodore VS Series 1 station wagon. Other fibers also indicated she had contact with a seat in the same vehicle. Which, of course, indicates that she was a willing participant to get into the front of the car. Yeah, so she was offered a ride. Offered a ride. Right, she gets in the front of the car and then things go incredibly south. It says here, Dad, other fibers recovered also indicated she had... No. However, a single blue polyester fiber would prove the most important in her case. The rare fiber had also been found on the shorts of a teenager who was abducted from Claremont in 1995 and raped in a nearby cemetery. So at Mm. this point, they're kind of building a case. But Mm. um, they found the body... They've established a task force to try and, you know, kind of really tackle this. Mm. The macro task force, which That's is right. which is look, I've 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 really tried to do some research on that particular um you know, part of the of the West Australian Police Force, this unit. And and it's not it's not it's not a great story as to how it was of, handled or how well look, we'll talk about that at down the track. It's a whole yeah. it's just a whole just a cacophony of really just how 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 invariably innocent people, completely innocent, get intertwined and I don't want to give too much away at this stage, but we will be talking about one particular person whose 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 life was basically ruined. And that's a completely innocent person. And it's it's just a whole. We need to talk about that in depth later on. But you know, it's it's just terrible uh, because well, you know the public. The public want the, the public. They're like it's like being in the Colosseum. You have the people in the Colosseum, the, the you know the the public. They they want certain things. You know they don't go to the Colosseum to to watch a puppet show. Or, or a pantomime or miming. They go there to see people have their flesh torn off their their bodies and other incredible atrocities. And, you know, that's that's one of the problems. We, we, we really in society do, we are on a knife's edge in terms of, you know, just beneath the surface of basically everyone. Um is this we have a veneer of um you know being able to sort of think that everything's in control in our lives but when something horrendous happens we this base instinct steps in and it's if it's not controlled it it has gruesome ramifications as is as is what's happening in the Ukraine i mean dad part of my problem here is that if you live in claremont which as we've established is a very bougie suburb mm. And you're out late at night, and there's a lot of people around. You, you know, you would feel safe, understandably. True, true, and true. Jane and, would have felt really safe. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, this is potentially. Well, we know we know it's three people that accepted a lift from a male person mm. in the wee hours. 
Bearing in mind also possibly not as a major factor, but if it's a beautiful night, you have some alcohol in your system. Yeah. Perhaps your your you may have, you know, dropped your guard a little bit. But also it's a lot to do with the with the person that is offering you a lift has uh, an air of possible sort of respectability and as well, as as we will reveal hmm. you know there is something very very interesting uh, and you gave a bit of a bit of a sort of a, a clue potentially potentially yeah. Yeah. About, I mean, the, about the knife my my problem is there I, I kept coming across rumors that she knew this guy mm. you know there's there's people that you know but don't really know that well yeah. maybe yeah. maybe you know maybe it's like someone who lives in your building or mm. You see them in your area or they're always queuing for coffee with you. Yes. And so if you saw that person that you had a perfectly amicable kind of friendly dynamic with and you mm. saw them in a few drinks, suddenly the door is open for an interaction. And 9,000 times out of 9,001, it's it's completely harmless. But mm. in th- And again, this is all hearsay. I mean, a couple of people came out of the woodwork and claimed that she was uh, hanging out with a someone she knew called Bogsy, some new friend of hers. Um, and that, But that could be that could be completely fabricated. We, do, we don't actually know. But, I mean, this CCTV footage is really strange. Mm. Just seeing this woman who works with kids just out... It's 12.04, I think. You said mm. after midnight. Yeah, so it's mm. just after midnight. She's outside and she's clearly having a good time. She's, I mean, she's laughing. You're right. I'm watching it now. She's actually laughing. Mm. And then that's it. She's gone. Yeah. And I, another thing is that it's not as though I don't think she would have gone into some dark alley to get a lift. Yeah. It's probably happened in front of so many people, but it's happened in such a way so as the people that inadvertently, peripherally, unwittingly saw something happen it wasn't out of the ordinary yeah to see a you know, i'm you know a young girl getting a lift it could have been and this is a little bit creepy listeners but to some people watching if they had have even taken the slightest bit of notice it could have almost looked like getting a lift with your dad mm-hmm. or your uncle and who on earth would be, I mean, how many of us have been in these situations where you've come out of a restaurant or a pub and there's a, for example, let's just say there's a, a girl by herself, she's standing by the sidewalk, she hops into a car. And of course, nowadays, everyone, we have the, 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 the drive share, ride share company, Uber, mm. and... You don't know it's an Uber vehicle until they drive off and you might see the, the little sticker on the back window. So, you know, people don't notice things. We would all notice if a, you know, some vehicle rocked up and it was, even if it was really dodgy, like, you know, bikies get out and, of course, mm. people then start to notice things. But you'd also notice if, someone dragged someone into a car but that's not probably going to happen and it certainly didn't happen here because you know these things happened in plain sight 
let's just briefly, Dad, I just want to run something by you, okay? Hmm. Jane was meant to be at her family's place for lunch on June the 10th on the Sunday, mm. right? Yeah. So she doesn't rock up and that kind of triggers people kind of calling around and calling the police, right? Which mm. is, you know, and, and there's inevitably going to be that kind of thing the person was meant to be at that makes people look. Mm. But there was testimony in court from a 20-year-old who was riding a horse in the area in Wellard on the afternoon of uh, the 9th of June, on the Saturday, back in 96. And he was riding along a dirt road. And at 2 p.m., apparently his horse got spooked. And then as he gets up off the road, he finds her watch. He finds a silver watch, a guest watch, in apparently very good condition. And this is quite near where the body was found later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so only a few meters away, actually. Mm. So, there's just, there's a kind of sloppiness to this that is really, it's really unusual. I mean, just there's so much stuff being, or is this, look, part of me thinks if you are going to commit these atrocities, there'd be a degree of adrenaline which might make you kind of focus on the details and make sure that things like pocket knives and watches and all these things aren't lying around. But this seems like... Some sort of weird frenzy or something because you know it, does that make sense? Right. It does. It does. Look, Paul, um, the noisy party last week, and I ran across the road, and then I had no recollection. Yeah, that I'd run across, yeah. and I don't know this particular person that was ultimately arrested and charged. You know, we we then get to find out, but we haven't mentioned him yet. But we do get to find out that he had done some some nasty things prior to these three women you know vanishing and he he'd pleaded guilty to some very serious stuff it's it's we'll it's, get to the trial yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah, we'll focus on the yeah well, we're going to focus on the trial and the ways in which the investigation fumbled and then eventually mm. kind of found its feet and also the web where it it it, it brought in and and basically ruined you know innocent people yeah and look this case is deeply disturbing. I'm looking mm. at photos of the roadside where she was found. And what strikes me is a lot of the cases we've been talking about in the Shadow Files have been, you know, not... not. They've been, you know, back in the 80s or 70s or 60s and, and looking at crime scene photos from the 90s is very confusing because I have distinct memories of being around in the 90s. I'm looking at these photos and it feels like it just happened. Mm. And it must be... I'm looking at an aerial photograph of the site where her body was found. And I'm looking at pictures of the police at the roadside with the crime scene kind of investigation van out. And they're doing the forensic stuff that you used to do when you were on the force. Mm. And it all just feels so tragically recent. But unfortunately, there was one victim still to go. And that's who we're going to look at in next week's part two of our investigation into the Claremont killings. Now, listen... If you live in Claremont, if you live in the area and you have any memories of these things happening, um, you know, please feel free to get in touch because we'd love to hear from you uh, over at facebook.com forward slash loose units. Because again, this is very recent and it wasn't until, you know, today that dad and I both kind of twigged and went, oh shit, we've been to that area. We know that area. So, and we really hope you've been enjoying these episodes. We've been trying to tackle them with as much depth and research and respect as we can. Um, it's often quite a kind of delicate line to dance. And I know sometimes we kind of break into jokes about things or go off topic, but that's us just trying to kind of cope with this stuff because it's really intense. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. We will join you next week for part two of our investigation into the Claremont killings, but we will be back later this week for a light, frothy, and much-needed diversion in the form of an episode of Loose Ends. See you soon, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.